presenting sponsors of Benjers Assemble is brought to you by our friends John Naughty over at thenaughtylawgroup.com. Now check this out. When you're in any type of an issue, there's one man that you need to talk to. That's our friend John Naughty. He is the people's lawyer with a history of getting his clients exactly what they're looking for. Now peep this. Things are opening back up. You know, businesses are going to be booming again. But let's just say that you had a little bit of issue going on. Maybe a landlord or something. Maybe the person is just saying, you know what, your barbershop is, you ain't paid us rent. And, you know, we just want to be a slumlord. We haven't updated conditions and all. It's a breach of contract. And you want one man who's going to make sure that, can, that he can take care of that and get you the verdict that you're looking for. It doesn't even need to be a verdict. I'm talking about you can say, you know what, I just want to go in and settle this. John Nottie's going to get the plan that's right for you. Check him out. That's John Adi over at NottieLawGroup.com. Everyone, what do you get when a show crosses that cultural zeitgeist? And we talk about female empowerment. And on top of that, bring a little comedy and the British people are there. So you know there's going to be a little level of sophistication. We got Fleabag. Scott, take us away. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about the, the bubonic plague for a little bit, but you didn't. And that was cool. <laughs> but the uh, uh we are going through the bubonic plague exactly right now. Exactly right. Mikey picking me up where my where my thought trail was going. So we got Mike Padilla in the house, also known as well, more known as Miklos <laughs> He's from East Los too, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's good everybody? <laughs> Straight out of the quarantine zone, aka the crib. Look, let's keep it 100, Scott. Look, Mike, all due respect, we want to know about our special guest star. All right? They already they already know about the rest of us. We got this, this is directly our special guest star. Come on. This we got true. a very, very special guest. Uh, she can tell where she's from. I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> That's how special she is. a very suspect place. Uh, we've got the lovely, charismatic, charming... Charisma full, <laughs> full of, full of character. Lana Vishkanya. So many words to describe me. It really, was like three, but charisma a bunch of different times. <laughs> <laughs> repeated, repeated with the length of a word like supercalifragilistic. Oh shit! That's Mary Mary Poppins type shit. Okay. Yeah, she's almost a Mary Poppins. (laughs) I mean, Mary Poppins made a big impact on my life when I was uh, younger. What about you guys? Uh, We're young. Yeah. (laughs) Aside from me, she's making a big impact on your life right now. (laughs) I mean, I didn't use umbrellas for the longest time because I was afraid I was going to get blown away. So Mm. that that tells you. No, you didn't remember, use it because you lived in Southern California. I <laughs> oh God, yeah. a spoonful of sugar. So it took more than one spoonful of sugar to uh, to actually convince Lana to join us tonight. Uh, I'm proud to admit uh, I used more all more than my one spoonful of sugar. Exactly, I used all Booger my sugar? amazing recruiter skills, all of my amazing networking skills. So someone else got her to join. Oh, I mean, maybe, but you never know. I'll take credit for it. But anyway, she's she her brilliant mind decided to uh, to join our podcast, which I think we should all be very lucky. Uh, she brings a, exactly. Yes. She she brings a uh, 
a really kind of new age opinion of uh, feminism, of sexuality, of, uh, I mean, I'll say gender identity, even though she very much uh, identifies as a traditional female in a lot of ways. But Lana, I'll let you talk a little bit more about where you're coming from. And uh, I'll be honest too, uh, I met Lana and she was maybe the reason why we chose to do Fleabag. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, she was a good influence on us. How'd y'all meet, because, first of all? I mean, Fleabag is the single greatest show on the internet right now. So I just can't think of a better use of your time as a podcast. I mean, besides Binger's Assembles? Well, <laughs> Binger's Assembles wouldn't exist without television. So True. You wouldn't exist without the original content of Fleabag and Sex and the City and uh, 90210. We've done and, some pretty uh, solid okay, so all the white woman stuff. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten some good shout outs right now. These are some good, like. Yeah. You are nothing so, without the real TV. What, what she's saying is we're basically catering to the white claw crowd. <laughs> mango! Mango white claw! <laughs> Listen, no, I'm Mexican, so I had to go and get the Corona seltzers, all right? Fuck y'all. Oh, I love those ones, man. La Frescas. <laughs> yeah, I went and got and the, uh, E&J, the way, E&J seltzers. You said that so well. Oh, by the way, happy uh, Cinco de Mayo, Mike. Oh, shit, thank you. You <laughs> know, <laughs> you know. we missed Cinco de Cuatro. And we missed Cinco de Cuatro. It's not a real uh, holiday. It's an arrested development. It is. <laughs> so it's more real than in my household, uh, I actually very much miss uh, Singer to Mayo. And uh, my favorite artist, one, well, one of my favorite artists ever. I, lo- I love mariachi music. I don't know if we've, I think we've connected on this earlier in episodes Man, or not. First of all, name a mariachi artist for me. You're bullshitting right now. Oh, you think I'm bullshitting? Do you yeah. want me to name you the yes, greatest that's exactly right. Just, just name, a, name, name an artist. That's don't it. even, Mike. You don't know how Yo, much mariachi that Scott played for us tonight. Me, <laughs> me and Bodie, his two-year-old son, yes. have experienced more mariachi today <laughs> than you have in your life. So, Damn. Not in your life, Okay, my favorite artist. I'm going to tell you my favorite artist first before before right. I go into the everybody. Two minutes later. El Rey. Yeah. Uh, Pe- no, my favorite is Pedro Fernandez, who is okay. Okay. a combo of the two greatest ever, Pedro and Pedro Fernandez. And he sings uh, Yo Soy El Aventurero. Which is, I am an adventurer. Yo soy el aventurero. All right. Wow. I think that's I, deep cuts enough. Yeah, I mean, as the I also love El Rey. I also love, uh, oh wait, what's it called? Las, uh, Mi Amitrio Lamor. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, look at that. Boy, Scott I mean, got his Wikipedia yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I don't even got the Wikipedia up. 
I got a... Uh, Listen, I could hear you. He really does it. You've got a real live fact checker today. Yeah. <laughs> here and I see. I could hear the click clacking on your keyboard. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Uh, as the ambassador of race relations, I appreciate you giving the shout out to Cinco de Mayo. Um, shout out to everyone out there on this Taco Tuesday that are also celebrating. And I'm not talking about celebrating with Taco Bell or Del Taco and all that fake shit. I'm talking about that real. Beating but, um, fucking Bonaparte, dude. In um, North America, <laughs> we beat his ass in North America. Fuck Bonaparte. It but is insane. He had you know the greatest you know army in the history of the world. And, like, <laughs> fucking Mexicans beat him. That was awesome, too. Well, we couldn't beat Fleabag, so. <laughs> she was, she would have been enough right. to steal every person's heart. Uh, so, yeah. Bring, bringing this shit back to Fleabag. Yeah. Way back. We can cut most of this. Way back, yeah. Um... So yeah, All right. Like, well, I'll go ahead and start out here, guys. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 uh you're moderating. Give us a not tenor. not very well. Give us a, uh, give us a fifteener. Cool, awesome. <laughs> so we're obviously we're here to talk about Fleabag and apparently also uh, Mariachi, and this episode needs to go out immediately since we referenced the day that we're <laughs> recording it. So shout out to that. Um, it was it was created by the actual star of it, that being Phoebe Waller Bridge. She came up with the idea during the old Edinburgh Festival Fringe. It was a in 2013. She had a play uh, and she actually won the um, Fringe First Award. And then from there, that snowballed to uh, BBC going deciding to adopt it, and then Am- Amazon Prime uh, picking it up. And from there, it actually aired from 2000, uh, July 2016 all the way through April 2019. Um, really easy to digest. Two, uh, two series, like they don't call them seasons, two series um, consisting of 12 episodes. And this thing was a cultural wildfire, I tell you, just right off the charts. Um, just some of the just some of the laudables we have got. Um, various Golden Globe Awards and Emmy nominations for multiple members of the cast. And also the Rotten Tomatoes, 97 motherfucking percent. That's like, man, just up Six there. Emmy like, wins in six 12 Emmy. shows. Correct. Also won the Golden Globe uh, Award for Best Television Series. Um, I got them at – they. I actually have – yeah, so I have them at uh, 11 Emmy nominations and six noms. wins. Right. Yeah, nom, 11 noms, six, uh, six wins. That's a great percent. Almost like, one legit. nom per show. There was like one show where they didn't nom it. Like, episode, yeah, for for the, I mean, yeah. That's what I mean. Like one twenty-three minute show where it didn't get a nom. Like uh, every I mean, other one did. I mean, okay. Well, we're being loose with the facts there because. Well, I'm not saying. Well, I'm saying like comparison. Some of these but, were acting. Oh, okay. All right, I got you. All right, right. Yeah, I, I understand. That's what I mean. Like I'm just <laughs> I saying. I don't like stats. So like, there's 12 episodes total, and there's 11 nominations. I'm not saying literally they went through like episode 6.6 <laughs> yeah. deserves a nom for this. I'm just saying that's an amazing clip. It is. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're, you're right. That it, that percentage is on that. That percentage is on point, like legit. You won't see that replicated. Um, so I guess like starting, like starting out, um, I'll, Lana, I want to hear from you on this, right? Um, sort of what was it that first attracted you to Fleabag, the show? Well, when I first watched Fleabag, I, I actually like felt this sinking pit in my stomach. I felt oh. sick almost. Because she was 
so me. Like, she was so 100% about whatever I'm about. And I think she's basically just a modern woman living in today. Yeah. Did And how did you hear about the show? That's a good question. Uh, Netflix. I, I fucked up. Like, I've told seven million people about this show, and I was like, yeah, it's on Netflix. Just watch it on Netflix. Mm. So seven it's million an Amazon were... Prime original show. <laughs> right. Anybody so seven, seven million people were scrolling through Netflix like, what the fuck, I can't yeah. find the show. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, like they get excited. They're like, they, when you search on Netflix, and then it knows what you're searching for, but then it's not there, right? You're like, fuck. And it goes, oh, here's something else. Right? This thing suggests exactly. cheers. It's like, oh, cheers only has one fucking, uh, it's one word. So here's. I'm the root of that evil. No, I told people watch Fleabag. It's the single greatest show I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. and it's on Netflix. But it's not. It's not. It's Amazon Prime. It is a great show, though. I agree. So, and how did you first hear about it, Scott? Um, and so, then, your th- then your thoughts sort of are upon uh, your introduction to it. Okay, sure. Um, I've he- I heard about Fleabag through, uh, believe it or not, several women that I have dated uh, post divorce. One of them. <laughs> One of them, uh... Nobody asked about that part. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I'm giving it a descriptive okay. reason. All, right. All of our listeners know I've been divorced. So, like the, now? uh... Now, <laughs> yeah. man, I now talked about know. this shit earlier. <laughs> really? I didn't? Yeah. Right. Continue. Just continue. <laughs> Dude, paywall. Paywall. Welcome so. to Volleyball <laughs> Crew. Oh, <my> God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, uh, Deep Cuts. So, um, basically, uh, a couple, a couple of people that have dated, a couple of women that have dated. So we did this, I'll throw this back to the Second City episode, right? Where I mm-hmm. think I mentioned there, there have been many women in my life that have, uh, opined about their various, uh, personality traits, uh, similar, similar to the Second City women, which is great. Uh, Fleabag, I feel like is, is maybe the next or the next generation of that. Like, I've, I've, I've dated many women in the last, you know, whatever, blah, 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 uh, who have identified Fleabag as being very important to who they were. And so it's made me, uh, really curious about it. And, and, and I think, um, it sort of shows how important it is, like, right now, uh, which is why I was really, really excited to watch it. All right. Yeah, right on. Uh, Scott. Or, sorry, it's not Scott. Sorry, Mike. Or Miklo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Miklos. Uh, how did you, all right, what were your thoughts upon, like, immediately, like, when you heard about it and then immediately upon uh, sort of having watched it? Um, well, I first heard about it because it cleaned up the award shows. Like, I just remember constantly seeing Phoebe Waller Like, bleach the coronavirus stage. just cleaned it up. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, because I was kind of mad because, like, some of the shows that I went up against, like, I felt, you know, deserved a better shot. But, again, I was unfamiliar with it, so I was coming from Shut a biased up, perspective. 
Uh, okay, and that's my take. <laughs> no. no, keep no, going. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so, I was coming at it from a biased perspective, and obviously, I was not familiar with it until Bauer has suggested it as the uh, topic for this following episode, and honestly, I'm very glad that you did, because I felt that I was sleeping on something that Fucking I was rocks, right? totally missing out on, yeah. I mean, the first episode, I was kind of like, all right, and then when I kept watching, because it's, it's very easily bingeable, they're all short episodes, mm-hmm. um, as I kept watching, like, I got hooked, you know, and I didn't really know how to feel, I even actually went back and I rewatched the seasons again, um, <laughs> yeah. which is actually a really good I've idea, because I... I've watched both seasons twice, and, yeah, and dude. that whole thing was in two days, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you miss... You miss a lot of, like, little cues and clues, and so when you rewatch, like, you pick up on a lot of, like, subtle hints, right. and so it kind of just gives you a different perspective, but, I mean, I, I see now well, why... You don't, because you're so fucking drunk both times you watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually straight edge, I don't do anything. Yeah, so, Mike's straight you know. edge. So... I don't think we told Lana this. <laughs> nah, but, like, um... Where I was trying to go with this, I was basically just saying, like, I, I see now why the show basically cleaned up the awards, and I, I honestly have a deep appreciation for it. From our, from an artistic perspective, like, I, I see a lot of brilliance behind it, and, I mean, I could sit here and talk about, like, a lot of, like, the metaphors and the interpretations of it all day, so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to going through, like, the questionnaire and deep diving into, you know, what everyone else has to say about it. Hold on. Yeah, I, similar to you... Uh, you know, I had de- heard about it because, you know, I'm, wa- I'm watching things, uh, and I hear, oh, and the award goes to Fleabag. So immediately I'm like, ugh, disgusting. You know, like, had, like, didn't know that much about it. Um, and I go, that's just, I don't like the name. And then, like you said, I'm looking at some things that I wanted to win. Uh, like, I think in 2019, it had won, uh, the Primetime Emmy for Out- Outstanding Comedy Series. And look, I'm used to being disappointed, um, in this category because, I look at it and like none of the ethnic shows ever win ever. Yeah, I was gonna say but, like none of the black comedies that we root for. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And then I go, okay, and then they usually just give it You're to like Kanye, family. just getting ready to like run to the stage, like <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> So like uh, so I'm like, all right, you know uh, you know, I hear that I hear that it wins and you know I just like finished I think the year before Marvelous uh, Mrs. Maisel had broken through. And that I'm like, is okay. It's a great show. It's a it great show. It's not an yeah. ethnic show, but it's uh, a well, great show. Yeah, I know. It won. That's why it's we, not an ethnic show. It's a, and we, <laughs> so I watched, so I, you know, look, I'm a, I, I wanted to mark out. I wanted Veep to win everything. Um, Veep rocks. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. So I wanted that to win everything. And then I hear Fleabag. And I think at the time, I think this also, I think they also won the Emmy for Outstanding Actress, which pre- prevented Julia Lewis-Dreyfus from break, uh, from breaking her tie with Cloris Leachman. So I'm um, mm. out there. I just explode. I'm like, fuck no, and I don't like what a flea bag is, you know? Because you never explode, bro. You're such a calm, docile yeah, exactly. person. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm just like, okay, what's going on, right? I'm like, uh, I'm like, just, I'm not happy. So then uh, when Scott had presented the opportunity to watch the show, he goes, that's oh, really short. And I go, okay, cool. Um, watch it. So the first episode, I was like, you know, I was so fucking mistaken. 
man, I should have right. looked at this. I mean, it kicks it off. Like, look, uh, if you guys go back to our House of Cards episode and Mike and I argued over how powerful the sex scenes were and how and how I thought that they were weak <laughs> in House of Cards. Yeah, this yeah. one, no, it, it heard me, right? The universe just said, hey, Chris, bam, immediately they're getting it on. And then that continues throughout the whole uh, show. And I was like, okay. Except, now- except it wasn't what you wanted to see in video. It was, uh, it was like what you wanted to paint by number in picture, like in your mind. Like the sex scenes were great, not in like a pornographic way. They were great in like uh, a real and descriptive way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as she's talking to the camera and she's kind of doing like the cameo. 100%. Um, I, I thought that shit was hilarious, like when she's talking about like, Oh, he's gonna slip it in my arsehole, but you know, we're <laughs> you're happy that he just made the effort to to make it all the way out here. And then the guy gets dubbed the arsehole guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. So I'm you know I'm watching it and I'm just like, okay, this is just the you know I I appreciate that the show it it touches things that people can go through and that it's not out of its way to like be pushy and taking itself too seriously. <laughs> not to say that. The show is campy or anything, but there's not, uh, you know, you're not sitting there lo- waiting yeah, for it's like a teensy bit of camp, like in a good way. Okay, well, all right, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not some, there's not, they're not adding random supernatural shit just for the sake of. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, and so I, you know, I appreciate that, and it's like, you know, it's not gonna, it's not adding some message, right? It's sticking to, hey, here's this person. They are a complicated individual, and then these are the people in their life that are absolute pieces of fucking shit. And, uh, you know, I, I, it took me back to, like, the things that people say about Seinfeld. I go, all right, I see that with Fleabag. Okay. I go, this is sort of uh, – this how, This is, must have been how they felt in that, hey, you got these uh, people in everyday life um, that are just going out there living. They're not, like, out of their way to, like, to be likable, but they have all these, like, uh, like, wild quirks. And you go, I know somebody like that. And I thought, okay, this is just, like, that's where the brilliance comes. And then just to be able to, you know, interweave that with just, like, awkwardness and just so many different funny things without them being over the top about trying to be funny. And I go, this is, I understand why it's winning these awards and why it went and upset Queen Bay, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus. It makes sense. Okay. Lana, Uh, what do you think? I think that makes sense, but I resent the reference to Seinfeld only because Seinfeld was very much about right not like he he wasn't sexual or cussing or so dirty like uh, he couldn't be manipulated (laughs) Seinfeld is also on American TV and uh we kind of have strict regulations. On it was like also the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was just a different time. And Fleabag came at a time when suddenly we're sexually liberated again. And we can just speak bluntly about fucking up the arsehole. I, <laughs> <laughs> I agree 100%. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's amazing. <laughs> I'm just getting ready to hear Scott say, I agree 100% for the rest of the night. <laughs> no, dude. I'm going to agree 100% that one time for the rest of the night. What? You've said it more than, you've yeah, said it more than one time. Like, Listen, you're, you're saying, in pure beta mode right now, man. 
You've said I agree 100% probably more times than I heard people say fuck off on the show. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Really? Am I that high? Well, yeah, it's just that that every single person, like, including your family members, can attest to the fact that you've never agreed with people, ever. Um, (laughs) And then today, it's like four within the first 25 minutes. Okay. Oh, man. (laughs) I'll readjust. I'll readjust. All right. So, uh, I'm going to walk through the characters, and this is actually going to be pretty easy because... I was trying to be Jay Leno right now. (laughs) Uh, all right, so the uh, <laughs> so the characters really quickly. Uh, we have got some interesting individuals. Uh, just because I, 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 this is one thing I really love. Um, so you got Fe- uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. She obviously plays uh, Fleabag. Then you got Sean uh, Sean Clifford plays Claire, who's Fleabag's sister. Then you've got Sion Sion Sion. Oh, Sion. Okay. Sion. Sion. Sion Clifford. Okay. Then we have Olivia Coleman, who plays, uh, who essentially is their new, I guess, uh, stepmom, but she was the godmother previously, or still, uh, or something like that. Um, then you've also got the Fleabag's father, aptly named, uh, and he's played by Bill Patterson. Great then man. We, Great man. What's up? Great man. Okay. The dad or the actor? Both of them. Why do you say that? Insane. Uh, the dad was, uh, what I loved about the dad was he was one of the very few, uh, men that she did not want to fuck, and so therefore looked at objectively. Wait, the, you like that, so, are you bringing up the fact that Fleabag didn't want to fuck her her dad? dad. Correct. So she didn't want to fuck him. No, 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 you're you're missing my point. What shows do you watch where the daughters are interested in fucking the dad? You're missing, Bauer, You're missing think, the point. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. I think Bauer's okay. trying, to, trying to develop like a Freudian aspect to his theory. No, not even a Freudian aspect. It's a postmodern aspect. My, okay. my point is, if you don't have anything to gain by this person, you have to be associated to this person. There are uh, commonalities sometimes that exist and don't. What I loved about the dad and... Uh, Fleabag's character was that he he very delicately had the line of like, I want you to live your own life but you also have to know that I live my own life and she couldn't understand that he was also an adult which is like a very like teenager thing that's like, like I love her as a character but she has like some teenage tendencies like like, she's got some, like, my dad isn't a real person tendencies. Like, that's, like, very young shit. And and she's amazing and adorable, but, like, it's a very interesting... Or... 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 The or. woman that the dad chose to date in the Fleabag TV series was just this artistic... Mumbo jumbo lady of a weird character, and Fleabag just didn't respect the character. I agree. She was. It was both things. Weird lady. It was both things at the same time. But as he said later on, and we'll get to it, I deserve to be happy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So also on the show is uh, um, Hugh Skinner, who plays Harry. That's uh, Fleabag's uh, uh, sort of on again, off again. Jump we can call off, him. We, we can call him the X, bro. X. Okay. Cool. All right. Then you also got another. Then you also got uh, Hugh Dennis, who plays the uh, bank manager. Then you got uh, love Benny, him. Then you got Benny Aldrich, who plays the arsehole guy. And then, like, I feel like everyone else is sort of a. I don't know. It feels like a lot of these well, are just like sort of I mean, recording, uh, recurring characters at this. I point. I would yeah. add Jenny Rainsford, Boo, because she. She's okay. Also yes. Like, yeah. Jenny Rain. Yeah. Jenny Rainsford as uh, Boo. Uh, that that was uh, Fleabag's best friend and business partner who will spoil. Uh, well, no, there's no spoiler. There. No spoiler. She dies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's dead. Uh, Fleabag kills her. Yes. So let's exactly. go to the very first question of this whole thing. Okay. Do we like Fleabag? Are we supposed to like Fleabag? Who wants to kick and it off? And the crowd responds a resounding yes. Fleabag is lovable She's brutally honest She looks you in the eyes When she tells you What's what Like Fleabag Is lovable And her only flaw Is fucking her best Friend's boyfriend And not telling that friend When the friend was gonna commit suicide That's the worst part That's the worst part (laughs) But that's the only thing I don't think she knew she was gonna commit suicide though Like she said herself She did No she said herself She was like I'm gonna step on the bike lane So that I end up in the hospital with a broken finger And torture him by not letting him go see me she so didn't that know that the bike was going to take her into the road. and she Okay, but she knew she was going to hurt herself. Right. So you got to come forward and own what you did at that point. That's my opinion. But I think Maybe that's I'm why, I think that's why she was haunted by the scene. Like, I didn't understand it until it was revealed that she was killed. Like, she keeps going in and out of these flashbacks. And then even after we learn what happened to her, she still keeps going oh, in and out of I knew, these flashbacks. I, I got it early that she fucked that dude who was her was Boo's boyfriend. And that's not even that bad. That's not the thing that I think is bad. The thing that's <laughs> okay. bad... Well, no, it's bad. I'm not saying, like, fucking your friend's boyfriend or whatever. Like, that's shitty. Of course it's shitty. But what makes it worse is when that person comes to you and says... I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to cut myself, I'm going to hurt my finger, I'm going to jump in front of a bike so that he'll come and visit me. And she still can't admit what she did. Like, that's a bad person. That's why I think Fleabag is I'm going to have to disagree with you on that, though. All right. Because I don't think those are easy conversations to have. Like, They're not easy, but that doesn't make them not bad. Right, but I'm saying, like, your friend's telling you that you're going to hurt yourself. You don't expect your friend to die, right? So you're not expecting to lose your friend that way. But then you go ahead and you tell your friend what you did, and you're going to lose your friend. Like, that's 100% for sure. Like, that friend's going to be like, fuck you, never forgive you, and you lost your friend. Like, either but way did for her, you deserve to lose your friend for what you right. did or no? Well, yeah. Does your friend deserve to die for what you did or no? That's the no. question. Exactly. That's a good, that's a good so point. What I'm, what I'm getting to with this is that, like, as humans, like, we all develop, like, this selfish behavior, and she acted very selfish. Oh, 100%. Holding that information back from her because she was selfish in the sense that she didn't want to bring out that guilt. 
Yes, yeah, she's and a she narcissist. she didn't want to lose her friend. So, uh, my, uh, my take, um, so I understand where you both are coming from. And this, um, number one, uh, you know, look, I like, I like Fleabag. Uh, she's like a lot of, uh, male friends that I have, like unreliable, um, <laughs> just make bad decisions. So she reminds me of Mike. Uh, no, uh, I'm just I was kidding. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, hey, look, you take uh, a lot of, uh, unrequited shots at me. So I figure like nine episodes in, I can at least throw one at you. All right. Hey, bro. It's like uh, Spider-Man says everybody gets one. Uh, look, I'll say this. So, I, look, I, I, I like her as a character. So right? there's demands. She has her warts, you know, which I think that we can all identify with. And, it, like, the, the, the main thing that we're gonna use to, like, talk about how she's, like, saying that she's narcissistic and everything. Yeah, she doesn't admit, and her friend kills herself over, uh, you know, steps into traffic over the, uh, the cheating, but doesn't know that Fleabag did it and all. Um, Fleabag beats herself up most of that first, uh, series about it. And then when a similar situation even broaches the point of occurring, right? When that becomes, um, the, you know, whether, like, uh, I, I won't speculate on if there was any attraction. When to Claire's or not. husband tries to kiss her. Yeah. She... Just saying that. The like, yep. thing is, she tells her sister and uh, her sister like rejects her doesn't believe her and everything right that harry would do something like this and then that puts a fisher in their relationship and martin. this is something that martin what's up the husband's name is martin oh yeah oh crap my bad i don't know why i said harry sorry my bad yeah martin you're That's right the, uh, harry was flea bags yes you're right yeah so martin, remember, remember. Remember, Chris, we have a live fact checker here, and it's exactly. not me. <laughs> All right, cool. So Martin, when Martin, so Martin hits on her, right, and then she tells, uh, she tells Claire about it, and then Claire just uh, she doesn't believe her. Then that cause, and like you can see that, right? And it's, uh, and it's almost like, hey, it, it's that, it's that moment where you're like, hey, you know what? I wish I could have done the right thing, and then when you try to make up for it or so, the reason that you didn't do the right thing originally or so comes to fruition. And then you're wrestling with that. And then I'd venture to guess that that dictates a lot of her actions that you see um, over uh, the series two and uh, and everything that occurs there, right? And then completely compounds the issues that she's having around, hey, I'm having all these random encounters with guys that aren't lasting long, right? And uh, there's this torment that's inside of her. That I, that I find, and the way that she expresses herself is out of that. Uh, you know, I I don't I hesitate to call it recklessness in terms of like the random sexual encounters or so, but like in terms of the sarcasm and the sassiness, it's like, hey, there's this torment inside of me, and then this is the guard that I will uh, this is the guard that I will put up. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that was that was going to be one of my most uh, damning assessments against Fleabag like I think and and maybe one of the most important questions is are we supposed to like her I don't think we are supposed to like her and and it's those very inconsistent reasons why like she's she she's very like she's the first one to grasp for pearls while she's also the first one to try to offend someone um She's the one who told her sister, oh, he tried to kiss me, but she was unwilling to tell Bo, right? Like, boo. Boo, sorry, boo. <laughs> boo. 
Yeah. But we have a we have a little bit of a different opinion here, and I think we want to get into some of the categories, right? Well, no. Um, I just want to say that like I might be the only one that does like her character. What? Oh I yeah, I did. yeah. Sorry, Mike. What I, I said, I, I did. This, I might be the second person on here that likes her character. Well, I both like and I dislike her. Um, okay. I like her because she's funny and witty, like Wiggins said. Um, I like her sarcastic humor, and I like the way that she connects to the audience. Like the way she kind of channels in and out of character as she talks to the camera, uh, very similarly to the way that Frank Underwood would do um, during like the House of Cards episodes and everything else. Um, That's I called dis- breaking the fourth wall. Right. Thank you, Wiggins. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> this, this is I'm what it feels a, like. This is what it feels like to be actor. Mike. I'm not this, an actor. <laughs> yeah, this is what um, it feels like to be Mike. <laughs> I dislike her because I feel like everyone else said that she's a shitty person, but at the same time, I don't judge her for it. I feel bad for her because she's clearly very complicated. Like, she's battling some issues that she has inside of her, and I think she puts up these fronts and these walls and these barriers, and like Wiggins said, and Wiggins is probably going to be the first time that I ever agree with you. Um, No, so the first time you're ever right. Look, It's like winning a gold medal. (laughs) <laughs> I think that her humor is a way for her to put up that front, um, for her to not show the pain that she's feeling inside of her. But I think that we see a lot of we see a lot of insight into like how she feels in regards to her personal issues um, in some of the scenes in the, the series, like the scene with the therapist and some of the dialogue between her and the priest. And so that's when I start to feel bad for her because I realize how complicated she is and. A lot of the things that she's doing are just reflections of the torment that she's feeling inside. And so at that point, I no longer dislike her. I just feel empathy towards her. And that causes me to like her. Because she's so honest. Like, with the way that she looks at the camera and tells what she's feeling. as She at least addresses the viewer with the brutal honesty that she didn't offer to Boo or... Or to the priest, even. Like, she's honest with the viewer in a way that she's not honest. The the viewer is Boo if... if, The viewer is Boo. If she disrespected Boo enough. Like, she... She did disrespect Boo She disrespected... Like, she didn't really disrespect Boo. It was more that she... She betrayed every part of... But it was it was it was because she had so much respect for Boo because Boo was basically like the perfect human, like in the first scene yeah. of the entire series. Yeah. Boo. Defend the eleven-year-old boy fucking a hamster with the pencil eraser. That's why she they put says, erasers on pencils. Right. That's why they put erasers on pencils okay. because. People make Make mistakes. mistakes. So of all the people, like, Boo is the only person in the world who would forgive Fleabag for what she did, but... But Boo was the victim of what Fleabag did. But Fleabag didn't allow her to forgive her. 
Well, and yeah, because because Boo deserved better than a shitty ass best friend who would do that to her, which is why Maybe, like that makes it so difficult to come clean if you do something like that because this person I mean. the, who deserves the, fact that the she world. Fucked her boyfriend isn't the worst thing. The fact that Boo literally says, "I might kill myself," so this person comes and sees me. That's worse, and you still don't come forward. Well, That's the worst uh, thing she did. The, okay, yeah, I mean, like, but think about it in the context of the show, right? It, or the context of that moment is her coming. Like, look, there's this thing. There, there's the, you know, there's an ideology, if you will, right? And it's like, hey, um, when you come to someone with the truth about things like this, right? Are you telling them for their sake, or are you telling them for your sake? And in, the, in this moment, I don't. There's nothing she could have done or said that would have uh, prevented Boo from going out the way that she would have. Like, think about think about it. Is Boo going to say, "Okay, now I'm not going to step in front of traffic or whatever"? Uh, now that I know that it is my best friend that did it, that's going to make matters. That's going to make matters worse. The, all, the the full emotional torment that Boo's going to go through is just going to be amplified by that. You know, and look, I'm not advocating if anyone here does something like that that they don't tell somebody, but it's a legitimate argument to have of hey, no, you know not. what? You no, okay? So I you think that? Wins. So you think that it's all right? What like? What would it have done for Boo if Fleabag would have told her, hey, you know what? I'm the one that fucked your boyfriend. Okay, what did it do for Fleabag by lying always and forever? About but we're talking about no, but we're talking about this no, one no, no, instance. No, no, no. So. no, no, no. We're talking about what happened. What yeah. happened? She lied the whole time. What happened? Boo died. Okay. okay. And what do you think would have happened if she told her? Boo wouldn't have died, killed herself. No, I think she's gonna feel truth, better. I think the truth is immeasurably powerful. That's that's what morality is. Morality is the truth. Like this is what we're this is this is what we dance around in our society because we're so afraid of it. We're so we're so debilitated by the consequences of of what might be true like we know what happens when she lies the whole time to her we don't know what and we we want to pretend what happens when she lies to her but that's that's just false that's the whole point that's what i loved about the show and i thought that's what what the morality of the whole show was all about mm-hmm. so for those who say that a uh, flea bag is uh loathsome um, not not saying that anyone on here said that, but just for the audience, right? Um, some of the things that, uh, like, just looking at some of the quotes that she had, you know, um, like the very like the very first one, right? Or not the very first one, but she has this one. I think um, her and the priest uh, talk about this, right? Love is a second love season. is a, what's up? Second season. Second season, yeah. Love is awful. It's painful. It's frightening. It makes you doubt yourself, judge yourself, distance yourself from the other people in your life. Um, then there's another one that I re- that I really uh, that I thought was poignant and sort of fit where sort of fit fitly back uh, in terms of a character, right? Um, people just disappear because it spooks them to be around someone in pain. And then the very last then the very last one I had is uh, th- this th- this one may not uh, this one may not be as touching to some people, right? But uh, it's the people make mistakes. That's why they put rubbers at the end of pencils. Um, I I fucking love that. Yeah, and 
it's like th this is a th this is a person that's uh, self-aware and self-referential of what's going on. And like I said, it's a person that's that's dying inside, you know, and like I mean, yeah. Blue said that to her earlier in the first episode. Yeah, I know. OK, yes. Right. But the uh, very last one I have is uh, either everyone feels like this and they're just not talking about it or I'm completely fucking alone. Uh, on the surface, that's like a just a it's a well written line and all, but um, if you think about that from in, in the context of the series, uh, everything that she everything that she goes through, right? It's like uh, I don't want to say betrayed, but youth. There's well, yeah. where Fleabag is talking about uh, sexuality and being young and sexual attention, right? Mm-hmm. That's when she says that. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. banker. To the banker. Episode six. To the banker. During Season the interview one. when they're both at uh Hamster Cafe. At the cafe. At the, at the yeah. guinea pig. Guinea pig, cafe. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> guinea pig yeah. Also, uh I think uh, let, let's give a shout out. Uh I think that this show created a career decade for um school utensils. Uh not utensils, sorry, school items or supplies, right? Cause school utilities. Utilities, yeah, whatever. Uh, it's a – what do you call it? Fleabag has a quote. It's like having sex with a protractor. And then there's obviously <laughs> the eraser one. Um, just like a lot of a lot of love or shit that I haven't used in forever because I, I only think I have a pencil here in the house, like legit. So shout out to the pencils and protractors and other uh, school utilities. I mean, low-key, they, they dropped a lot of gems in the show. And, like, yeah. Wiggins, honestly, like, uh, I'm, I'm just going to have to sit here and say that I agree with, like, what you had said previously. Um I know that Bauer thinks that she's a shitty person for keeping a lot of that stuff to herself, but they made a lot of references towards, like, the truth will set you free, but I really don't think that Boo would have been able to handle the truth regardless. Mm -hmm. And I'm even going to take it to another level by quoting a few good men by yelling out, you can't handle the truth, because I don't think she would have been able to. And I think the outcome would have been very similar regardless. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying that to defend Fleabag, because I still think that, you know, she was a bit of a shitty person for it. But I don't think there was going to be a good outcome regardless. Like, yeah. either route she took, it was still going to end up shitty. No, when she gave the monologue with the bank manager in the Hamster Cafe. Uh, My favorite episode. That, that was an amazing episode. And I literally cried when she talked about I got tears. losing the I got tears. Like the sexual attention. Yeah, I think no. she said I spent most of my adult life using sex to deflect from the screaming void inside my empty head. I, or I don't know if that's exactly. Yes, that, that was the with the therapist. Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Oh my god. Different quote. Different quote. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Different quote. But irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to the bank manager one. Oh, okay. should have right, yeah. just made this a topic. Like, what was your favorite quote on the show? I mean, we can still do that. <laughs> All right, well, I'm improvising here. Yeah, yeah, we could have put that on the screen, too, and then viewers would have, like, thought that we just came up with it on the spot. Viewers. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, let's use the screen a little bit more, right? Like, it's right there waiting for us to write shit, you know? We need a screen person. Lana, you want to you wanna become the screen person? That's not a good idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you guys have seen I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Artists, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You've seen... The yeah, I think <laughs> 2007, like, <laughs> subtitling. <laughs> Yo, With Lord, the to neon be... <laughs> colors 
Hilarious videos. Like, 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 my episodes are not about cinematography. They're more about the written word. <laughs> okay. And that written word is written in neon. But anyway. <laughs> well, I just want to. <laughs> I want to ask you guys a question, though. Wait, who? Everybody. Oh, okay. I'm going to go to the next topic and ask everyone. Well, the next topic is first team all pro casting. So I want to ask everyone who stood out from the main cast to you guys as having the best work acting wise. Let's go ahead and proceed with categories, guys. All right. So we're going to start it out with. Uh, we'll go with first team all pro casting. Who do you guys got? I'm going to go with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, a.k.a. Fleabag. Um, I just thought she was overall the best actress in the series. Brilliant acting. Um, I loved how she went in and out of the character during her dialogue. Uh, or as Wiggins corrected me earlier, breaking the fourth wall. Um, right. Just the way that she would talk to the camera. Or as I corrected audience. you earlier, actually just talking to Belle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but no, like I said, uh, just the way that she would talk to the camera and then the audience and then the cast members, like the way that she was able to simultaneously like uh, sequence that whole uh, format. I mean, I, I just thought she was she was great. She was awesome. And she was. Um, I mean, it. it, it I one hundred percent agree. She was. Definitely the best character. Oh, Lana agrees with me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Lana. Lana. It, for Archer fame. I'm going to have to go ahead and go <laughs> with uh, Cian Clifford as Claire. Why? Because Why? her name was the hardest to pronounce? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so just, just, yeah. You, you nailed it. Look. I think that she carried the show, in my opinion, like, legit. Uh, every scene that she was in, she just dominated. From the eerie little quirks and idiot, idiosyncrasies that she got. Uh, for me, I think that, look, like, there, there's the ability, number one, to have comedic timing. Then there's the actual ability to sort of uh, act, and that's the way that you sort of convey thoughts. And then there's sort of that paralanguage and being able to sort of talk with your eyes and body. And I think that she really encompassed a lot of that, like, just like looking at back at the scenes where it's, you know, she's, I don't know if we want to call her a hypochondriac or so, uh, but like when she doesn't like touching people, like she sells it so fucking well, where I feel like if you put someone else in there, um, the scene just co- completely goes to shit. And it's just, she comes in there and you're just like, all right, I fucking understand. I have, like, I know a Claire in my life. Now, I know that most of our listeners and especially everyone on the show is uh, surprised to hear me ever say that I choose you're Claire. You're lucky that if you my know favorite. Claire in your life. And I was about to say, you do know Claire. I was going to say, you're lucky if you know a Claire in your life. (laughs) (laughs) So, so actually, yeah, like, uh, with generally how much I hate the name, um, I thought this character just, uh, like, CN Clifford just fucking owned this show. Uh, I actually 100% agree with that. And, um, I think, I think the big reason for me, and we'll get into this later, um, when we talk about, like, depth of character, depth of feminism, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think a, a very unrecognized portion of her character was the creepy fucking little kid hugging her. Like, 
when wanting to get into the bath. No, but it was her stepson. That wasn't her biological son. No, no, no. That's this very significant thing. Like, exactly. I'm Scott, and I'm a child. So I have a stepson versus a real son. Those are so fucking different. Because one of them was made of my sperm, and one of them was made of that guy Craig's sperm. And that guy sucks, and I rock. That's exactly what you That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying she was amazing. Claire was amazing because literally... She was a better parent to this freaky little dude than his awful, <laughs> terrible fucking dad. Like, that's why she was the best character of the whole thing. And this kid was hugging her naked, like, from day but one, which is significant. Do you think that's what it was, though? No, no, no. Yes. No, no, no. I'm telling you. Look, you guys didn't no, see no, this. No, no, yeah. The significance no, no, no. of her being, of the little dude being nude was like, Oh fuck, like I have a mom, like he was regressing. I mean, obviously he's on some sort of spectrum, but he was regressing back to like the everything opposite of his terrible toxic father. And Claire came into his life when he that's what I'm saying, like Claire is so amazing that even that little fucking freaky kid was like, "Oh, she's the best." Like, yeah, I disagree, no. man. I don't think he was regressing in like a Freudian aspect where he's going back to no, uh, no, no, like not a sexual Freudian. Yes, going back to like the the original birth of him as a boy. No, I think he was attached to her more of like in a sexual context. Uh, really? This is, no, this is a good. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I think this is interesting. That was I, my I just, take on it. I mean, no, I think that's a fair take. I think the reason I looked at it the other way was that uh, when he finally did, he hug Fleabag and say. Make her, make her leave him. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, yes was, uh, like yes, that. Season yes, two, no, episode two. Moment. Yeah, like moment. when that happened, yeah. I was, I, I honestly thought like, uh, this kid's getting like a boner when you go to the doctor the first time, and it doesn't like even if you're not gay, <laughs> and the doctor's like feeling your balls, like you're kind of like, oh, what happened? <laughs> like, interesting uh, i can't but no but my first doctor was a female doctor and i totally like it it was kind of embarrassing because i totally got a so boner when the I was first like, time yeah. you ever went to a doctor you got a boner <laughs> no but like the first time i remember that happening <laughs> you Yo, know you what backpedaled, i mean you backpedaled so <laughs> no i didn't backpedal i'm saying I, I i specifically remember saying remember the first time you went to the doctors and this happened not the first time you went... I mean, which can be taken both ways. You're totally taking away from the point that, like, <laughs> this boy cared about Claire. He did! He loved way, Claire. Way, more yeah. than he cared about... His own his, dad. His own dad. So, yes. So Look at that. So, Lana over here with to the rescue. Claire, yeah, exactly, yeah. Catch this is what I said! <laughs> it is exactly... It's exactly, so, uh, it's exactly what you said, Scott, but then you yeah, Scott, who's your doctor currently? I want to, I want to warn them. wrong with the boner i don't get it <laughs> so uh interesting story um so uh we have two people voted for uh phoebe waller bridges and then two people voted for cn clifford um interesting these I two think it's met Gian. each other 
Okay, Sheen. No, I'm kidding. You said that the first time. You said Sheen. We corrected you to see it. Perhaps, perhaps, let me just make a quick point here. Ah, okay. Well, all right. So, really, really quickly. So, they met, these two actually met each other at Rada, which, uh, some of our non, uh, non-actor friends might, uh, would not know, but this is called the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. So they met mm-hmm. each other. I think, uh, uh, Clifford was... You're saying the, the two actresses. Yeah, yeah. They met each other, yeah, they met each other at Rada, and that's how they, uh, and they became friends immediately, and then that obviously paid off later on, and that's how they ended up teaming up for this. Really quickly, so... Um, this is a quick, this is a sidebar, but we're, we're going to do really quickly, right? So, uh, alongside, uh, sorry, amongst these two, so, who's a, who's a, uh, great Rada graduates? You got Ralph Fiennes, you got Albert Finney, you got Ben, uh, pretty much anyone that's been in James Bond went to Rada. Um, then also Tom Hiddleston and Anthony Hopkins. Where do these two ladies rank amongst that list of, Luvin, uh, sorry, luminaries? Uh... Yeah. Oh, also Sean I mean, Bean. Anthony Hopkins, right. Sorry, I already said every uh, James Bond person, so I don't need to say. No, no, oh, no. no. A very Rick underrated King. one. A very underrated one is uh, the latest Bond. What, what was his, what's his name again? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. So he didn't go there. Oh, I thought okay. you said. Every, that. Okay, everyone, everyone that in Bond movies that didn't play a Bond went there. Oh, okay, okay. All the side characters. Also, Alan Rickman went there, and Richard Attenborough. Oh, and Kenneth he Branagh. does a lot of nature nature movies. He's a very no. good. Uh, no, no, Richard Attenborough definitely does. Richard Attenborough, not the. I think you think about John Attenborough. Oh, I am thinking of John. Attenborough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does Richard Attenborough do? Welcome to Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Spared no expense. Well, yeah. Listen, it's it's hard yeah. to rank people when like some of us don't know, like. All of the actors and the well, no, I gave you no, I gave you a list of those. No, I only caught out the good ones. <laughs> yeah, but when you sit here, when you Thank sit here, you say like everyone that's been in a Bond movie. Oh, never mind. Everyone that's been in a Bond movie that hasn't played Bond. Like what the fuck? Like that's you like, just want to you just want to say Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm gonna shout out Marky Mark anytime I get an opportunity. I gave you the six most important people. <laughs> All right, we're gonna well, move on since Mike yeah, here. Yeah. Let Lana, Lana judge speak, let Lana speak her mind. She was yeah, go ahead, Lana. Point. So all I was going to say about this was that I think, like, we were talking about who's more important between Claire and her sister Fleabag. We didn't say more important. Or who's more? I don't know. You guys define the first well, yeah, pro procasting <laughs> category. I don't know what this category means exactly. All I know is it's like who's better. Yes. Uh, way to way to make the, the listeners the, the beauty, feel like <laughs> we prepared. The of these two characters is that there's a little bit of both of them. In every single woman. So you've all got, like, this successful, like, high power, high success, trying to be the best possible version of yourself. You've got the Claire in you who's insecure about trying to be 
like. It's like a, it's like a good angel, bad angel. Exactly, exactly. Like the, you, you, you want to be this perfect image of success, but then you also want to be fun and interesting and like get laid and have a bunch of fun shit happen to you mm-hmm. with no consequence. So Fleabag is all of the fun shit with no consequence. And then Claire is all of, like, the perfect, like, this is exactly when when we set our goals with our manager each year. Like, okay, Emily, you're going to achieve this and this and this, and then you'll get a 7% raise next year. That's, like, that's Claire. And then Fleabag is like, nah, fuck all that jazz, dog. Like, you're going to quit your job. You're going to meet this hot Australian guy. You're going to move down under. You're going to ride kangaroos and live out your life and never have a worry again so the the beauty of both of these characters is how inherent both of them are to the female psyche like you you crave both of these women inside you at the same time always i have one question damn hey first of all i just want to say lana Lana just straight good up rant. shot from half court. Yeah, <laughs> good rant. I'm gonna, I'm up. gonna maybe hit a full court shot with this one. She pressure. shot from half court, and that shit was going in, and then it just kind of went in and yeah, out. When she started yeah. talking about like riding kangaroos and everything, I was like, ooh. She got know. real specific. <laughs> so I got one question though. Uh, how many female Caribbean? Scuba instructors are there? Fewer than there are high power boss bitches, I think. Probably. Uh, but how many male Caribbean scuba instructors are there? I feel like. I feel like more than female. Right. So there's more CEO men and more male scuba instructors. So I love this women's empowerment movement. What I'm saying is they're learning how to become what men have been doing for a long time. And that's, like, very scary for some men because they think maybe some of those spots are going to go away. But, like, that's what I think is really cool about this female movement. Oh, but God! (laughs) Yeah, Bauer just shot from full court with, like, 20 seconds left on the shot clock. (laughs) You're just trying to be men. We've done this for a smaller... No, that's not right. Lana, you jumped the gun. No, brains aren't smaller. Brains are not smaller. Femrant isn't supposed to happen until the end of the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go on to uh, Haley Was That. Um, okay, so I didn't have anyone on this because, I mean, the show just recently ended, and so I haven't got, we haven't got to see the maturity of some of these characters appearing in new well, things. But, uh, wait, not only that, bro, but, like, they didn't really have too many characters on the show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, yeah, they're like, Which, I mean, we're not going to name any of the characters. Can I mention one thing, though? And this is not going to be like a Bauer off-topic rant, but 
Did anyone notice? No, no, no. Did anyone notice how most of the character names were all like sort of like code names? Like the misogynistic misogynistic guy, the bank manager. um, I didn't think of them as code names though. The arse guy, the arsehole guy. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if these are code names or just they just weren't named. Right, but then we never even get Fleabag's name. Yeah, I know. It's girl. It's girl code names. Right. So we we did not get Fleabag's name, right? I kept no. trying to think about that. Thinking, no. Did we get well, it? No. I think the only the person, people that were named were Claire, Martin, Harry, and Boo. And then maybe, I think, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it was we'll the people that made an impression on her life, even if it wasn't like a did good one. Did the dad have a name? Not that dad. anyone called him. Like, not, like, even, what do you call it? Like, Godmother didn't even have a name. Yeah, Godmother. Yeah, it was just Godmother. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, though. It could be just that they didn't make an impression in her life, and... Right. But then to counter that, because the priest was just labeled the priest, and he had an impact on her life. True. Yeah, it's a very random... You're right, Mike. It's very random. Uh, There's got to be something behind it. I guess what's behind You're it. You're looking is confident just if we can't figure like, it out. <laughs> uh. Well, I'm sure we listeners these, are probably thinking the same thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's. I don't know if it's answered. That's my point. Like, there's gotta okay. be some sort of. That's good. You're, yeah, right. Yo, if anybody knows, I mean, feel free to DM the Bingers Assemble or DM Scott. He's finally getting active on his Instagram. I'm sure PW, you know. PWS. Yeah, I posted yeah, really, twice really in the last month. About <laughs> volunteer and other people to get DM. Or two. Alright, so uh, we don't okay. have anyone. Well, I think I, someone did have a hey was that. If she's right? listening, yeah. Yeah, I think two, yeah, uh, hey, so, who, yeah, so, we, someone put down Fiona Shaw. Yeah, I did. Fiona Shaw, as some of you may know, some of you might not know, some of you already know, some of you haven't known yet, but Fiona Shaw, Fiona Shaw is uh, the therapist, she is Petunia in Harry Potter, um, which is Lily's sister who protects Harry, she ends up actually not being as bad as you think she is in that um and then she's also in in one of my favorite roles ever is it mrs hallis miss hallis miss uh three men and a little lady uh one of the best scenes ever um she's like so horny and uh shit what's the guy's name from uh with the mustache But this was a good scene with the therapist, with Fiona Shaw, because she doesn't care about the therapist. And she didn't even she pay didn't, for him, yeah. She didn't yeah. even pay for the fucking session. She's just there, and she can just be like, well, yeah, like, this is, it is what it is. Like, this is who I am. I don't need a therapist to tell me. This is everything. But that was like a realization of maturity of her for me. Like, because... Once you, and that's the point of therapy, really, but that's why I thought it was so funny that she did it in, like, ten seconds. And she's like, but why do I pay you? <laughs> like, that was, like, 
because uh, yeah, she she gets to these like massive realizations so fast in the show, and like there's so much growth in like twelve episodes, which was which is really cool. Um, again, I I think uh, her character in the last episode I like her character in the first six episodes I don't like, but I love this episode just because yeah, Fiona Shaw's. Uh, she's got those English features. It's like, they look like witches if they're not hot. Like, <laughs> is that racist? Uh, Alright, so back. Fiona Shaw, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's really... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, next category we have... We have I mean, the Stone Cold Pierce. Yeah. Um, and right, for so, Lana, this is when a guest star comes in and dominates an episode. So I went ahead and went yes, with that. Uh, needs to be reminded of the category. Belinda, yes. Let me help out here, guys. So I picked her as well. Her yeah. inner speech was, women are born with pain built in. It's our physical destiny. Period pains, sore boots, childbirth, you know. We carry it within ourselves throughout our lives. Men don't. They have to seek it out. They invent all these gods and demons and things just so they can feel guilty about things, which is something we do very well on our own. And then they create wars so that they can feel things and touch each other. And when there aren't any wars, they can play rugby. We have it all going on in here inside. We have pain on a cycle for years and years and years. And then just when you feel you're making peace with all it, what happens? The menopause comes in. The fucking menopause comes in and is the most wonderful fucking thing in the world. And yes, your entire pelvic floor crumbles, and you get fucking hot, and no one cares, but then you're free. No longer a slave, no longer a machine with parts, you're just a person. End quote. Wait, yes. in business. You forgot that. Yeah, person, in business. <laughs> you're just a person in, in business. business. No longer a woman in business, a person in right. business. So, I love so many aspects of this quote. And uh, I'll get into also things. I think this is the most powerful powerful scene of the entire show. But I also have an interesting point of view about not the opposite of this, but I think the same thing of this from an opposite worldview later on. But we'll talk about it later. You, you cannot say that and not talk about it now. Okay, sure. So, like, what? Yeah, that's, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, she what basically I love called of, you a tease. Yeah. <laughs> you are a tease. A dirty tease. You spill your dick out. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, so what I'm saying is... Um, this is like the most powerful thing that I've heard anyone say who hasn't had a child. And so to me and and I'm not degrading any of this. I'm not I'm not lowering any of this. I'm not uh devaluing any of this. But it's very obvious that this is very much a speech about like uh, singular empowerment of, of, of who you are as an individual and who you want to become. Um, but I'll be, I'll be completely honest. 
And this is where I was saying we're getting to this later because I think we're going to talk about good feminism versus bad feminism of the show, which is, like, one of the themes. But, like, it, it doesn't matter who you think, what you think, what you do, what – like, you could love fucking Trump. You could love Obama. You could love everybody. You could uh, hate everybody. It doesn't matter. Like, a good mother is universally loved. By all kinds, in all species, in all races, in all people, and everything. And this, to me, is so honest because she's saying, I'm going to be what's successfully known outside of that. And that's, to me, true feminism, is that there's this role that exists outside of motherhood, which is very much taken for granted in all of society, everywhere, for all time. Because it can be also more than that. So that's an interesting take that I guess was completely different from my own take of the scene. So but that's good, though. It is. It contrasts it's, it's, different it's good. opinions. It's good because Scott is a father. There's a lot of opinions. So yeah. he he understands. I've seen a woman give birth. Yes. I mean, yes, it's a yes. thing. He like. understands motherhood and fatherhood, and I have no idea. I haven't done any of that. Uh, but I guess, like, Belinda hasn't done that. That's my point. That and she's amazing. Point. Well, she's amazing as a woman in business, I guess. No, just as a woman. But, like, what I'm saying is there's so much attachment to feminine and uh, females uh, as motherhood. And that sucks for, for women who are very much women who either can't have children or don't want to. But the, but the converse of this – wait, wait, wait. Let me finish really quick. The converse of it is that that's not a bad thing because that's an amazing feminine thing is being a mother. Well, so it's a it's very a complex issue. Oh, oh it's see, a totally I, a choice. I got a different – I got a completely different choice of whether or not – Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say like it's it's highlighting the whole aspect of like my body, my choice. So it's basically saying yes. like just because you're – a woman doesn't mean that you have to feel obligated to start a family and have a child and live all these feminist, uh, not feminist, sorry, um, these norms that society has for women. But I think that speaks to the power in this, not just the scene and the dialogue, but just the impact that this character had. Because for someone that was in an episode for maybe like a third of the time, she has basically sparked this entire conversation now revolving different viewpoints. So that tells you the impact that she had, not just like within herself as a character, but just the storyline behind it as well. So I, I think the writers are brilliant in integrating her. Go ahead and Stephen A. Smith this right now. All right, now, now I heard y'all talk about, no, look, I'm going to say this. No, dude. Um, I really think that the nature of this speech, like, like Scott, you kind of zeroed in on sort of the motherhood piece, I, and I, while that was a part of it, I don't really think that that was any theme really within her speech. It was just an example within it. Um, the, she starts off the speech talking around how she, why does she? She wins a women in business award. She says that it's like the kids' table of awards, right? 
and that it's a subset. And, uh, you know, thinking about this, right, how many times do we hear, oh, that, like, that's good for a woman, or, hey, it's so impressive that this woman did that, right? Why can't it just be mm, impressive? Right. You know, yeah. Serena Williams yeah. doesn't need to be caveated as, oh, this is the best women's, uh, the most accomplished women's tennis player. No, like, she's one major away from being the most accomplished tennis player altogether. Ever. You know? And, and it's like, look, you know, if you look at like what it, well, um, is it, is it Susan Sandberg or Cheryl, uh, Cheryl Sandberg over at Facebook? Um, lean in. Exactly. She, that's not a good book of, that, yeah, sorry. It is a good book for women in business, but that's not all it is. It's a great book for people in business, you know? And like these sort of these caveats that, that women, that women have to face. And she, you know, she brings this up in highlighting, Hey, you know what? We go through, we, Pain is innate to us. Uh, we proceed, we proceed through it. It's something that we have to, that we have to deal with. And, and I know like sort of the feedback I'd gotten from a lot of it that I've heard from individuals who liked it is that that's something that they completely resonated with. A lot of women said that they went and, uh, and well, you know, like uh, we as men, we, we have it really easy in this world. You know, we do. Like no one's going to say, we have it easy. We have it pretty cush, you know. Like okay. the, three, the three of us are like the comparison of our experiences to what Lana would probably have to go through. It, it, it's real. It's extremely tame that what we have to go. I through. disagree. <laughs> I completely disagree well, with that. About, well, think about think about it. Like think about if it. If you're like, a hot white girl in this world, you got it pretty good. Okay. Yeah. But let, let's like, like peeling that back a little, right? If yeah, I want to be back. I'm not Then there's the it. assumption that, okay, uh, when the hotness fades, what's left there? You, you know, got, you got, you, two, Belinda's giving you another option. That's the point of Okay, this. yeah, well, like, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is like, look, well, that, like, no, that's why, but, that, that is one of the reasons why women have it hard. Um, Kristen Scott Thomas, in talking about this scene, um, she brought up another huge truth bomb. She said it was, di- that it was, filming this was difficult. She felt inadequate because she had always worked with people that were older and that she's like, I want to make sure that I don't miss a step because when you are an older woman, you are cast off to the side. And she was afraid of that. She was afraid yeah. of that happening. That's a reality that a woman has to go through, you know. Um, a man doesn't go through that, though? No, I don't think so. Well, look, look at the presidential, look at the presidential election. Um, okay. We have a 70, we have a 78 year old versus a 74 year old. Do you think for any matter, like Elizabeth Warren wouldn't be able to run in four years uh, because she would crack her 70s or uh, presumably I guess she would be in her mid 70s. And then immediately. Well, also, both of these dudes have sexual allegations against them that are most likely 100 percent true. And they're still running for president. And there are only two options. So, yes, like in a lot of ways, men have it easier, of course. But like. I think there are difficulties of men that aren't really discussed. So, like, what I love about the show, and we talked about it a little bit, is that it describes there are different versions of feminism. Mm -hmm. But if you ask most guys what it's supposed to be like to be a man, they'll mostly give you the same response. And then... What's that response? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to make a point, and I'll, I'll I'll, I'll say that later. So, uh, right now, here's what's interesting about the world. Uh, I'm going to get tons of flack for this. But, uh, right ready now. Get ready to kill him. Yes, right now. 
uh, a man can say the right thing about oh, what a man is supposed to be, right? A man cannot say and shouldn't say anything about what a woman is supposed to be. A woman, very healthily, can say very different things about what it is to be a woman or what feminism is, right? But fuck the world if a man says what feminism is or what a... However, at the same time, women are definitely encouraged to say what men should do and what a man's life should be. Well, okay, but don't you think that that's a case of being on the mainstream? It's kind of hard to gripe that the margins have a, have a one leg up over over you. Like if you're on the if you're on the no, mainstream, no, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I do. No, no, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of like what privilege is, what consequences are, and that's that's why I brought up <clears throat> the two presidential candidates that we have to vote for. According to anybody who says you have to vote or uh, any any news media that you follow, both have sexual allegations against them, like, that are convincing. So, like, what the fuck is the world? Like, that's my point. Like, so, and this well, is why it's well, very a, hard to a be good, a woman. That's, like, a good, that's a good point. Uh, like, I'm going to boomerang this shit, though, and bring it back to Fleabag, because I feel like we started getting off on another tangent. Alright, so, um, I don't even know that I want to mention my Stone Cold appearance, because I feel like you guys went on this whole no, segment No, of course we want to hear it. Come on, come on. You guys went on this whole segment about Kristen Scott Thomas as Belinda, and, um, I don't know that mine <laughs> is as relevant, because it has nothing to do with feminism, or the ego, or the alter ego. Um, but I had Ben Aldridge, aka the whole guy. That's weak. <laughs> Just kidding. Just well, kidding. My whole... Who doesn't love an arsehole? <laughs> right? Well, no, my interpretation of it, so, like, when I thought of, like, coming in and dominating an episode, like, I think for him coming in um, in season one, episodes five and six, like, most of the attention revolved around him. So the question remained around, like, you know, has anyone ever told you how good looking you are? Like, have you seen this good looking guy? Like, everything kept, and I don't know if that was maybe symbolism towards, like, um, sexism as well, and maybe, like, the whole concept of, like, uh, good-looking people yes. in power. I'm, I'm going to relate this towards what you said earlier about, you know, a hot white girl not having it as bad as, like, other people. Um, that could have been purposely casted that way by the writers for them to highlight. The bimbo. How, yeah. Or, or just in the sense of, like, how good-looking people will tend to take attention and uh, have things a different way. Um, but that was my interpretation of him coming in and dominating an episode. So, uh yeah, I agree. Was he was awesome. He was <laughs> really good. And so fucking hot. So fucking hot. <laughs> was he that high? He had like kind of a crooked nose. He was super <clears throat> hot. Okay. They told you to say he was hot, so he's not. <laughs> um, no, I, I, no, that's a great point. And I think, um, I think that's exactly what the, the message was, Mike. Like, um, girls are allowed to be superficial too. Like, everybody can be superficial. And, like, they make these points in weird ways sometimes. But then they... I mean, it's just like anybody would make points, you know? It's good. Right. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah. And I yeah. think maybe they did try to play on that with the other love interest, with uh, the teeth guy. 
Oh yeah, the because cheap I don't, guy. I, mean, I don't judge. I mean, Lana, do you think he was good looking at all, or? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The only thing that stood out to me really from his dialogue is as he's um, having intercourse, intercourse with Fleabag. And um, the vibe kind of gets thrown off. And yeah. He tells her, like, you don't go through your, your whole life with teeth like these and not know when people are lying to you. So, like, I think it was just trying to show, like, both sides of the coin. Was like, that a line yeah. in the show? Yeah. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. It was when he was fucking her against, like, the, uh, the counter. croissant stand. Yeah, like, counter oh, thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I must have been too That's a good catch, Mike. No, that's weird. awesome. No, that's so perfect. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. Like, that's a totally, like, what I think... Please, please, quickly, because I don't know what you're talking about, because I was too stoned when I was watching that scene. I was probably asleep. (laughs) Give me the play-by-play. Okay, so, so he, she, this is the Christmas, no, the birthday for Claire episode, where Claire's husband makes out with her. But he takes her there. And then uh, she doesn't even, like, he's not even part of the episode except for, like, showing up with her. And then later on, uh, they're fucking. Which is, like, basically, like, I'm going to take someone to this thing and make them experience this. And then I'll fuck them later and it's fine. (laughs) Which is, like, a totally real thing, like, that that people would do. I've never done it, of course. No, of course not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for, for the listeners who cannot see Scott's face right now, <laughs> his, his eyes just got very big, and he looked at the microphone, <laughs> knowing that it was exactly the kind of thing that he I've definitely done. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, Scott. So, so, so yeah, Scott, Scott has also told people that he hasn't. You don't go through life with teeth like these and not know when people are lying. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I got great teeth. I have like thirteen thousand dollar orthodontics teeth. Oh shit. Teeth are okay. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go ahead and proceed onwards with the next topic. We're gonna go ahead and go with best episode. I'm gonna kick this off. Just because, uh, if this was like a presidential election, like a debate, like the amount of time that I've been speaking would be like eight seconds or whatever versus Scott fucking 75 minutes. Um, so I went ahead and went with, I have uh, issues. Yeah, I know. Uh, series, I went with, uh, <laughs> season two, episode one. First and foremost, we did not know if this show was going to come back. See, Anne Clifford had quoted that she would not be returning, had no interest in doing the show, and then it bam, they bring it back. The heat. This one, this episode was uh, directed by the great Harry Bradbeer. Um, so within this episode, one of the things that happened is that they, uh, the uh, uh, we're gonna call it the eponymous dinner happens, where the godmother announces that her and the dad everything things about to happen, and it's very awkward. Uh, Claire isn't happy with it. Uh, Fleabag is like, what the fuck? And also Martin. Comes and returns. All, all types of alcoholic. Ruins everything. Also, this is the episode where we meet the priest as well. And it has the line of the series, which is, get your hand off my miscarriage. <laughs> Thought this episode was just boom. Just the amount of tension, just the humor, the awkwardness of the godfather as well. Just fucking completely killed it. And shout Fantastic. out to the priest. He was probably one of my favorite characters. 
Second favorite, I'd have to say overall. Yeah, so for me, I'm going to have to go with Season 2, Episode 6, How to Love. Um, favorite episode overall, because I think there was a lot of relevant dialogue. Um, oh, so cute. A lot of it was very symbolic, and uh, yes, very cute. Most of the themes were revolving around the theme of love, um, and I think there were just a lot of quotables and... There are a lot of gems that were dropped in this episode specifically um, from the speech that the priest gave, you know, during the wedding ceremony, and then just like the dialogue between Fleabag and her dad when they're in the attic. Um, I'm going to go ahead and quote one of the things. Love that scene. Yeah, I I think that was one of the most impactful scenes um, overall in the series. But her dad goes on to tell her that uh, she knows how to love better than any of us, and that's why she finds it all so painful. Um, and I think that was very, very, very powerful because I think that we, by then we had already seen that she was a very complicated person, you know, and, and we saw both sides to her. We saw a side of her that's very fun and like great to be around. And we saw the side of her that is also just very complicated with relationships, whether it's within her own family or also romantically, platonically with her friends and so I think that has a lot to say about who she is. And so in such short words, it just explains a lot. And I think just in general, the way that, you know, we know that she grieves more than others because she loves more than others. Like, we can see it by the way that she continues to have flashbacks about Boo and the way that she doesn't really talk about the passing of her mother. Um, but I think that's why she's been so afraid to get back, like, into trying to give a shot at love. And then obviously at the end, we have that dialogue between her and the priest when they're sitting at that bus stop where she almost sort of said... Bus stop scene was so good! Yeah. I think my favorite, just the way that it ended with the fox appearing and then she tells the fox, like, he went that way. You know, and it was just... The sarcastic humor that was mentioned earlier with the priest basically saying that foxes follow him everywhere. You know, I I just like the way that they say everything. So what do you think the foxes meant? I don't know, man. Like, I I was trying to think about that afterwards, and I was like, what the fuck does that fox represent? I know that foxes foxes are symbolic for being, like, uh, like cunning and, like, being sly. But I don't know how that applied necessarily to the priest. Because Foxes were opinion. women, man. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Like, that was his whole thing. Everywhere he's been going, fucking women are chasing him. Because he looks like him, and he's a priest, and he's unattainable. Like, that's that's what everybody's looking for. Like, they're trying that's to, the they're always just fucking trying to get him, you know? <laughs> because he represents purity, he's uninterested. Correct! Yeah. That's a good point. Oh, shit. Look at you, Scott. <laughs> I've been I've been carrying this entire episode. I don't know what you guys. <laughs> Certainly, I don't know about I don't know about. That. Okay, who else? Uh, what else do you guys got for? You're not Jordan. You're not Jordan. Game six. Right. No, fuck no, fuck no. Uh, Lana, what's your favorite episode? That's a good question. Okay, well, we covered the Belinda episode already. Honestly, so is that your best episode? First, oh, the retreat. The yeah. retreat was a great episode. Um, where, so, 
Lana and Clint. I mean, not Lana. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's see, perfect. You see how firmly I relate to Fleabag because I replaced Fleabag's name with my own. Of course. But uh, <laughs> Fleabag and Claire. Does that mean Lana Fleabag. sees a little bit of Fleabag in herself? Oh, obviously. Yes, Lo- yes. Lot of innocent. Lana is a synonym okay. for Fleabag, basically. Alright, right, I didn't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, you're fine. But one of my favorite episodes was the one where um they went to the retreat, and so there's the women's retreat juxtaposed perfectly with the men's retreat. So, uh, Fleabag is in the middle of the women's retreat where all the women are made to be in silence. And the bank manager on the other side is in the men's retreat where the men are being encouraged to yell out their frustrations towards the women. Yo, I found, I found that very, like, funny too, like, in a bad way. Because, it like, I didn't understand weird. it at first, like, when, you know, I she first gets I there. I still and... don't understand it. Do you understand it now, Mike? I <laughs> think I have an idea of it, but I, I just thought it was humorous, because, like, you know, she's getting there, then you just hear this random guy yell, slut, whore, and then she's, like, looking out the window, like, what the fuck? And then when, it isn't until she sneaks into the men's retreat that we see what it is, and... I do have an idea. I, I, I think it's meant more towards, like, the stereotypes of what men will... The opinions that men give towards women, right? And so, because a lot of that has to do with the workplace, I think it's just symbolic in the way that it's basically saying how men feel about women in the workplace, women in the household, women in general. Yeah. Um, I I tie it to, like, that episode in season one where she's walking down the street and she thinks, like, the guy's gonna, like, she thinks the guy's basically jocking. You know, she's like, oh, he's he's checking me out, da da and she walks by him and he's like, he, uh, he walks by her and he basically says, like, uh, walk of shame, you know? And so, yeah, I, I think a lot yeah, of that yeah. just ties back to, like, the stereotypes of what women face with the way that men see them in, uh, in, in certain, you know, scenarios. But and they also, act like they don't like it. But also, right. I mean, it's not just that. It's also, like, women really are um, kind of, I mean, through our liberation, naturally, we're impeding on the freedom of men because, like, men used to run everything. Men used to have all the jobs. And now we're taking some of their jobs, really. and that mm. is, like, that, it's upsetting to the point where sometimes it's like, shit, now I can't care for my family because this fucking slut took my job. Like They it's, took it's, our it's, jobs. It's all... The South Park episode. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're gonna take our jobs, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's actually aliens. (laughs) But but I mean, in a sense, it's true. Because in the past, like in the 50s and the 60s, only the 
man would work and you'd have a man and a woman and a whole family and all of you could survive on just one person's income. Yep. And now women work. Yeah, and I feel you. They pay everybody else less. They're basically <laughs> cut in half because. Now we've got two people working, and we're just like, well, we're not going to pay you anymore. Yep. We're just going to have everybody work more, and whoever's at the top can take everything. That's, That's a good point. Just how it is. I like your choice. So it's I think like that was a good episode. You understand the male frustration, basically, in a sense. Because, yeah. like, how could you not be frustrated by this infringement when it does hurt everyone? Exactly. But also, yeah, no, a good point. from the woman's perspective, yeah, like, yeah. you want the freedom to not have to marry and to be able to just work on your own. So there's no justice without economic justice. So if women made just as much as men, it solves a lot of problems. Bauer. And that's, like, kind of the ultimate point. Is this the intro what? to your best episode? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I, I mean, uh, my best episode, I think, is, um, I would say, well, there's, okay, I have to narrow it to one, right? My favorite episode is the uh, season finale of episode one. And to me, this is where she admits to someone that she does have some sort of conscience. Like, I'm, it's to the bank manager at the end of the episode when she almost walks into traffic and then he stops her and he says, you know, what's wrong? And the bank manager was a very important character in, in her whole life, especially the first season. Um, again, someone she didn't want to fuck. Honestly, the <laughs> bank manager might be my favorite character. Yeah. If I had to pick one besides Fleabag, it would be the bank manager because he's just as flawed as her in exactly. the perfectly, like, male alternative form. Yeah, that's a good, I agree. that's a good call. Interesting. I think the bank, the dialogue um, between the bank manager and Fleabag I mean, had a lot of gems. He sexually harassed somebody. What did he yeah. do? Grabbed exactly. somebody's ass twice. Or titties twice. Yeah, he and grabbed someone's breasts. all he wants to do is make it up to his wife and his family and, like, get his life together. Like, and, you like, could do that once in real life, out. and it would and be then, like I made a mistake, but when you do it twice in the same party, like, it's bad. But Fleabag, <laughs> I mean, Fleabag fucking fucked her Best yeah, it's worse. friend's boyfriend yeah. and got her to walk Definitely through traffic, yeah. which is worse. It's huh. totally worse. But the point is that they're both flawed people. Everybody's flawed people. I think I think ways. the interesting thing, though, too, is, and this is another uh, gender difference, which I think they do a good job of highlighting here. Men sort of, like, externally experience their uh, their consequences. And females internally experience their consequences. Right, so because, like, we do... Yeah. Okay, so, so, we gotta so get, let's get to worst episode. Okay. <laughs> what worst episode, bro? Because I don't think there were any bad episodes. 
Okay. Well, okay, but there's like, if there's twelve or something, it. one of them's gonna be the worst. No, nah. I, I think the women's them. retreat was the worst. And I what? think you're wrong. After we just fucking had this whole segment about it. Yeah, I'm gonna fuck shit up. <laughs> so yeah. episode three where. Nah, I think though. Nah, he here's nah, why. Nah, I don't know. No, here's why I'm mad at it. Here's why I'm mad at it. I honestly, have you ever met a guy who's gonna solve his life by shouting "cunt" at like a uh, doll or whatever? Right. But have you also considered the fact that this may have so been a metaphor? Doing that. <laughs> no, I agree. It's a metaphor. I agree. It's a metaphor. I do agree. It's a metaphor. But it. It's, um, it's ridiculous. Like, like, yeah, well, uh, you can, ridiculous is how you agreed with us talking about the women's retreat and then now you 180. I like the like, women's oh. retreat part. I didn't like the man's part. So okay. the episode's so that, fine except the man's part of it. Uh, I mean, again, I'll, I'll, I'll also, uh, say... <laughs> No, 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 no. I'll also go with Mike and say we have to find the worst episode. They're all really good. I'm not saying this is a bad episode. Okay, My then point... it's not the worst episode. Well, no, no, no. It is the worst episode. Okay. It's still good, but it's the worst of all of them because they're all good. Okay. Yo, everyone out there, this is you what debating with Bauer sounds like. single episode that didn't win an Emmy, Chris. Mm-hmm. That's hard. They're all good episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Every other episode literally won an Emmy. Like, that's what's amazing. So you got to find, like, a bad episode. So I'm going to go ahead and call it Audible, and we're going to skip the rest of that topic, since I don't think we're going to get a consensus. So for Timeless versus Time Passes By, I'm going to go ahead and go with Timeless is the feminism in it. Number one, is it written by a woman? It was directed by a woman? I know this is a little bit more meta than the actual uh, themes of the show, but... Um, taking those meta approaches, you know, it was, it was, uh, fully women, woman ran, uh, woman delivered and, you know, it completely killed it. And then sort of the feminism in it, it's like, Hey, look, it's okay if a woman has daily answers with, uh, different, uh, individuals, you know, it's okay if, uh, she behaves like, uh, like we'll see a lot of men do and we find it and, you know, and we find it funny without any type of criticism. I think that that's timeless in terms of what time passes by. We don't really have, uh, too much of a time frame to work with and everything, but uh, I do think that after a while we touch on this, like sort of the name, like the names part of it, like I think like years down the road we're just gonna be like, why the fuck did they not have a name? We it'd be easier than just say God, Dad, and uh, Dad. And I just had to find something, so I went with that for time passes by. Um, that's a good point. I'm I'm gonna have to say that for timeless, I'm gonna. I'm going to say the open dialogue and display of human sexuality. Um, I think that in our generation, people are finally starting to come out of this conservative Victorian era mindset uh, that Americans have still been stuck on. And um, I think we're becoming more open to seeing shows display uh, actors engaging in sexual acts and talking about it as well. Um, you know, from talking about like, getting fucked in the arse and you know, all the sex scenes that were in it. Um, I think we're starting to see it more in, like, even just cable TV programming. Well, before that was extreme taboo. Um, so I think hearing a lot of the dialogue about sex, specifically from a woman's perspective in the show, is uh, timeless because I think 
from a taboo perspective, uh, that's bigger from a woman's perspective as opposed to from a male. So you might see, um, some of these shows have like sexual talk and like, you know, I will grow used to it from like men talking about it, like in like locker room talk, but you won't hear women discussing it openly. And so I think that's becoming more of like a common theme. Um, and as far as time passed it by, I would have to say, and it's only because I have to pick something, but I would say the um, the meta- the sexist metaphors, and even though the show was doing it more in like good humor, as we're starting to drift more towards equality, uh, gender equality, I, agree with you I think some of these things are going to become a little more outdated. And again, we may not look at it to scrutinize the show in the future because we know that they're doing these things um, more like in good humor to laugh about you know, some of these, um, some of these different topics, but yeah, I, I would say overall, I mean, the show did a good job of, uh, of make, making fun of like a lot of these things. I don't know, Scott, what do you think? I mean, I think, uh, some of the time the stuff is, um, uh, this, this sort of new, uh, independent woman, um, not as judged woman or whatever i don't know a lot a lot of different things i think some of the time passed by uh i agree with you in, in terms of some of the sexuality things like so like uh we always celebrated that you know she could watch whatever porn she wanted but claire's husband was 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 a jerk for watching asian gangbang or whatever <laughs> Like, like there's, like, some of the stuff, yeah, like, some of these, like, things that are just, like, pretty obviously, like, two-sided, uh, or, or not hypocritical totally, but, like, a little bit, I I think, uh, I think time passed that by a little bit. Like, everybody's the same, everybody's, like, selfish, everybody's, uh, generous, everybody's, you know, they're, we're all in different ways, and I do think, like, those were the only things that annoyed me about the show, was, like, this very different judgment of what she was allowed to do versus what the people she didn't like was allowed to do, you know? Okay. Ultimately, yeah, I think we'll all equalize eventually. So, I agree with what you guys said. The timeless is these feminist aspects of the show where women now are able to express themselves sexually. Like, you'll never go back to not expressing yourself sexually after you've done it. Versus time passed it by, like, uh, we're not gonna, we're, eventually, the way that I see the world is that everybody will be fucking everybody all the time and robots <laughs> all of the work for us. <laughs> so nobody will be judged for any of their kinks or any of their weird shit because none of us will have to work. We'll all just eat and fuck all the time while robots do all the shit for the economy and we just fucking be happy. <laughs> <laughs> future I see for the world and so I think the show does a great job of talking about opening ourselves and then I don't know if it gets to there <laughs> I think you got to there with 
lot of shot from half court again. <laughs> yes, completely. Oh, All right, so we're gonna so two more categories. Um, let's go to should this be could this be made into a movie? I'm saying yes, and who should play in it? Yes. Peep this, guys. I'm gonna bring the heat for y'all right now. Yeah, um, do it, do it. So Fleabag should be played by Stacey Martin. If you guys don't know her, she's a young British actress that was in a Nymphomaniac as young okay. Joe. Um, then also, I'm going to go ahead and throw in... But Phoebe Waller-Bridge could be in it. Like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is still around. Yeah, why the fuck would you want to replace her? Why are you recasting her? I agree. You don't like Phoebe? Well, once again, that's a huge jump in, that's a huge jump in logic. Just when we do a movie, though, we want something different. They're going to do this, like, a few years down the line. Um, you're going to have to get someone a little bit younger, you know? And, oh shit, she's triggered now. That's fine. I mean, that's fine. Lana yeah. is younger in age. <laughs> We're gonna have to get some. When they do a movie, they're gonna have to get somebody younger. And I don't know that having. Uh, I don't know that a TWB uh, being forty, um, playing and looking forty, wh- where it would sell that she's sort of still discovering and lost her way. I don't think that that would work well. Like, I think, and look, it's a, by all means, if they want to go ahead and, uh, they, if they want to go ahead and see, hey, this is what it'll look like 10 years or 15 years from now, yeah. Good well, But bam, if we're going like, bam. hey, we want to, what's up? CGI, though. If they're able to make De Niro look younger for the Irishman, they can do the same thing. Will for Smith. They didn't need that much work with Will Smith, though. <laughs> well, they did, though. I mean, nah, not, not as not much as, much. as they're going to be with her. I mean, yeah. not as much auto-tune from Aladdin that they need, but they need some. <laughs> Trust me, they don't need as much uh, really CGI good. with a black guy. They're going to be with... Phoebe looks great. Huh? Phoebe looks really good. Do she we know that she'll look Phoebe, like not Phoebe. She's saying that Phoebe looks good. CGI. Okay. You're talking about CGI Phoebe, but I don't think she needs it because she looks she looks 27. I feel like she looks good. Mm. I think she looks mid 30s. Um, I think she looks like young 40s. Yeah. And 10 years from now, she's not gonna look 20. She's not gonna look like she did when the show came out. So, um, if I can continue with the rest of the castings, um, we're going to go and go with uh, Emmy, Emma Watson would be a great, great Claire. And okay. I'm going to go, the dad should be played by no other than Jeremy Irons. Okay. Jeremy Irons would be great. Yeah, that would yeah. be fantastic. Oh, and then maybe the Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes could also. Ooh, Ralph, yeah, you know, what? yeah, I, I admit that. Ralph <laughs> Fiennes, and also the Godmother could be played by a Haley Atwell from uh, the Captain America movies. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, who do you guys got? Or do you think no movie? No, I think movie for sure. And I would be the type to say that this would be a good spinoff for the original series. So bring back the original characters and the original actors, and just add a few more um and so following the british theme i would say i'd want to see maybe like a john boyaga um yeah 
I'd want to see him play like a character similar to like the misogynistic lawyer, like a successful Londoner who's like kind of like a playboy, you know, and he ends up becoming like a a fling for Fleabag, like one of her potential that romances. Movie, that movie you know? ain't greenlit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, well, no, 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 what was so funny out, about this? Listen, if he was Finn and he was following someone around, he would do the same thing in this movie. I love the introduction <laughs> where he's eating like chicken salad and he's got it all over his face, but like he still looks pretty good. Like, <laughs> what that happening? No, that was this show, The Massages. Oh, with John Boyer. No, 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 no. If no, he he's were talking to play about the that misogynistic character. lawyer. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Alright, uh. Anyone else I agree talk? with all of you. I would just want to play Fleabag, and that's my only constraint. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you agree with all of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All the other characters don't matter. I'll just be Fleabag. Well, you she's can play basically her, saying gonna... she'll do whatever it takes to be Fleabag. <laughs> she'll be she'll be Fleabag in the new biopic. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Scott, uh, anything? Why do I why do I feel like a book is coming? I'm writing it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lana's got a book. We're gonna advertise that at the end of the episode. The book is coming. All right. So our final topic: Was Fleabag a good? Feminist. Well, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to go to our now iconic topic. We wish them nothing but the worst. Where if a character was a real person in real life, who do we wish them nothing but the worst to? I'm going to have to say Martin. Martin sucks. I don't know. Martin is honest. He is honest. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Fleabag because she's never honest. And what? she's the worst person in the world. Uh, I love her. You I love her, too. You wish her nothing but the worst. You wish her nothing but the worst. Um, For like a year. Who hurt you, bro? Who hurt <laughs> you? Does she remind no, you of this dude. person? Dude. So no, dude. No, 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 no. No, straight up, no, straight up. Here's that? the thing. Here's the thing. Paralysis? She's got no discipline. She's got no accountability. And like, that's just a bad human. So like, she represents like 80% of... <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> she represents 80% of people's character traits in real life. Yeah. Like, I don't, and I don't 80% of people are shitty. <laughs> like... <laughs> So, but if you wish you're not... Like, 60% years, of people voted for Trump or something. Like, it was very close to that. Like, you're giving people a lot of credit. Okay, really quickly. <laughs> we like our Trump supporter listeners, by the way. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Wiggins is about to drop the whole Jordan. Uh, Republicans buy sneakers, too. Well, they buy our podcast, too. So, look, uh, uh, what Scott meant to say is that um, he votes... Oh, no, if you voted for Trump, Trump, go fuck off. That's what I meant <laughs> Okay. Sorry, uh, five. Alright, well, Scott, Three. Scott, uh, like, we like to crack jokes and be facetious on here, so no matter yeah. how you vote, uh, Tory party or labor or anything like that, we do not mind you at all. We thank you. And please keep, We, uh, we thank you, but if you disagree with me, you're fake news. <laughs> Scott! Uh, 
Well, wait, wait. Yeah. Who do you wish nothing but the worst to then? Boo. Trump. The, the worst already happened to her. Boo? Yeah. Why? She was well, great. It's just like, you know, she's sitting there, put all of her, this, like, this is the most anti-feminist thing about this show. Her willing to kill herself for the infidelity of her uh, husband. Uh, we don't need people. Not like husband, that. I think. Or, so, okay, well, okay, yes. A significant other. We don't need that. If I had a friend like that, I'd be like, okay, get over yourself, and then, like, but I'm that's, sorry. But that's, but that's real life, man. Yeah, I Like, know, there are I'm, consequences. That's what I loved about the show. I yeah. love, the fact that she died shows that in this world of post-truth politics, in this world of, like, no one has any consequences for anything that they do ever except for, like, a talk with HR. Like, I loved... Had a lot of talks with HR. I know, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying I loved is that she did something that was fucked up, and like no one's allowed to be like, well, it was fucked up. We all have to be like, well, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things to consider. No, dude, it's fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. there, there are, like, rules etched in stone. You don't fuck your friend's boyfriend or girlfriend. Like, that's just, like, a rule, dude. And, like, and, like, and she fucked it up. And then it led to something really bad, and I don't like that Boo died, but I do like that she actually had a consequence to something that she did. Because, have you guys seen that meme? Sorry. And this is really funny. No, I think, I think, I think you should see it. It's really funny. Uh, during the Adams Family Values movie two, uh, there's the little blonde girl who's like the popular girl, and then there's Wednesday Adams, and they're like, Oh, you're supposed to play uh, a play in the pool. One of you has to be the victim and be drowning, and one of you has to be the lifeguard. And the blonde girl raises her hand, and she goes, I'll be the victim. And then Wednesday, Adam goes, all your life. But, I, I'm saying that's talking. life in 2020, basically, but whatever. Right. <laughs> I, I just think you wanted to show off your knowledge of that movie. Wednesday, Adam. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was what it was. Actually, Christina Ricci was fucking hot. She turned out to be I think 12-year-old? No, I'm saying somebody knew that was going to happen. It's a cool talent, I guess. I don't Moving know. Moving on. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this episode's going to be fucking, like, cited like a motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, there's like gonna be taking off of fucking the podcast. Let's, let's continue talking about a naked kid, and then let's talk about how twelve-year-old Christina Ricci, uh, or one member of the show, no one else, was talking about. She peaked. Movies. All right. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, okay. So, anyone else have a wish them nothing but the worst besides Scott uh, wanting to wish Scott nothing but the worst, which is obviously. <laughs> Totally fair. (laughs) I mean, I think most of Twitter is going to wish him nothing but the worst. Uh, Yeah. Like, some guy named Rex with, like, the fucking worst tattoo or whatever at Shawshank's got to wish him. (laughs) Okay. Anyone else have anything for that? Okay. Let's go to, uh, was Fleabag a good feminist? I'm going to say yes. Feminist, like that's what you're saying. Yeah. Do you disagree with me or? 
No, I, I do agree with you, but you go, you go first. <laughs> no, because her tone of voice, like, I was trying to, like, I don't know. Well, you said yes, but it didn't say anything, and then she, like, agreed. <laughs> well, because I was trying to, like, <laughs> trying to gauge the audience. Like, I don't know if, like, people are going to jump. Soft. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, You're gonna so, change your answer, I mainly agree. depending on what I everyone else said. No, 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 no. I, I didn't say I was gonna change my answer. I just wanted to see how people were gonna react to see if anyone was gonna try to like, you know, chomp at the bit and try to like fight me over this. Or no, if, like, we're, people we're, were being fair. We wanted it to sounds like that's reason. what you want, Mike. I'll give that to you. She was a bad, bad Ooh. feminist. Okay. The reason why I say she was a good one, I think that she represents most of, like, the young generation where people stand for something, but they don't necessarily live it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're hypocrites. That just means that they're confused about the world that they're in and the way that they're living. And so I think it just represents... And I think a lot of that is also displayed in the dialogue where, like, we have these people that are trying to live their life and move through the world with all the challenges that they face and the complications that they have and all the demons that they're battling inside of them. And you have these OGs, in this case that would be Belinda's character, that kind of like, you know, they put the rope around you and they kind of try to steer you in the right direction and say like, hey, like, I get what you're doing, but this is where you need to go. And so like as life lessons start to, you know, unravel we start to kind of get, like, a sense of, like, the way to live the life. And so, like, as you get older and the experience ties in, that's where everything starts to come into play. So I don't want to judge her on her decisions to say that she wasn't a good feminist. I think that she had those qualities and those ideas within her. And I think just her life experiences were starting to build and mold her as a person to start to take that direction. Yeah, I think, like, the critical scene was in the very first episode of the whole show, right? Where Claire and Fleabag... So, I mean, in my opinion, if you look at Claire and Fleabag, because they're the sisters that are complete opposites, that have, like, the opposite morals. Like, Claire, when you look at Claire, she's kind of the perfect feminist. Like, she's highly successful in a difficult job dominated by men. Man's world. She's highly successful in a man's world. So Claire is like what an objective person would kind of judge as the perfect feminist. Yeah, but then, but then in the, but in the first scene, in the whole first scene of the entire show, when they, when Claire and Fleabag are both at the feminist lecture, and the feminist asks who in the audience would give up five years of their lives for the perfect body. <laughs> Fleabag and Claire both shoot up their hands into the air and they're the only ones in the audience who raise their hands who have the balls to basically tell the truth because it's like I don't know as a lady meeting yeah their first feminist meeting I guess but uh, like uh there's I guess there's not really a good definition of the perfect right, feminist. The because, feminists are trying to tell them that right. that's not okay. 
So in their first meeting, they raised their hands, and all the other feminists were like, no. Judging. But I think <laughs> I think that scene was more of a representation of what Fleabag had been mentioning earlier, because Correct. she talks about, like, her body, and so she's like, you know, I'm taller, I have small tits, and my sister is thin, has big tits, and she has a perfect body. So, like, in the sense, by both of them raising their hands to say, like, I would give up five years of my life for the perfect body, it's almost like kind of giving off this idea of, like, Fleabag assumes that her sister has the perfect body, and yet her sister is still raising her hand saying that she would be willing to give up five years for the perfect body. So her interpretation of the perfect body is different than what Fleabag's is. And so yeah, I think that's just kind of showing. Lives, kinda, you know? Right, right, right. But exactly. I guess, the, the, yeah, the whole point of that dialogue is basically that, I mean, the good feminists would like to tell you that you're wrong for thinking that wanting Correct. the perfect body is like unfeminist or like you should be proud of the body you have even if you're fucking fucked up Lazy, and slob right yeah. so i mean i guess there's there's not really a a good feminism versus a bad feminism in reality. In reality, it's just we're all alive in this crazy world where women and men both are ranked in this massive hierarchy. And there's the best and there's the worst. And, like, we're all competing with each other for the money, for the food, for the power, for whatever, and there's no escaping it. It's just, it is what it is, and you can try to be like, well, you're a bad feminist if you think that you should give up five years for the perfect body, but it's like, well, what if I have seven million buckets of caviar for the perfect body? <laughs> like, that's worth five years. For seven million buckets of caviar. I don't know. Like, uh. I told you women just... are learning to become men right now. Right. I mean, we are. Feminists, though. We used to be the caviar, and now we're competing for the caviar. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And there's, there's trade offs to that. Like. True. Yeah. Do you actually really want to own it? I don't know, maybe. Um, but to me, I'll go back to what I was saying earlier. I do think, and it's and it's 4D. It's not just like a regular thing. But I do think there is a good version, objective good version of feminism, and a, an objective bad version of feminism. I think that's your shitty Catholic upbringing. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is motherhood, and this is universal. A good uh, mother is a good version of feminism. A bad mother is a bad version of feminism. And I would say the same about, thing about... I would argue mother. I would argue that everyone is a bad mother. And False. there's, like... Th your kids no! are a good mother. You're... Scott, in the same way, you can say if you eat the most caviar of any woman, then you're the best woman. That's exactly what you, you can. Ex that, 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 yeah. that is what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. No, it's just like like whatever metric you want to lay out there. Yes. If you're the best mother, you're the best feminist, or no, 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 no. if I'm you're the top the performing of all mothers. I'm saying the best mother you could be versus the worst mother you could be. 
That's stupid. No, that's not because it is. That's stupid. Fuck fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Fuck your kid. Like, you don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) You think just because you have a baby that you're more important than everybody else? No. Your kid will die just as much as all the rest of us when the fucking (laughs) earth dies. just stated here tonight that being the best mother is the best thing and if if Bodhi does not successfully save the planet from imminent doom then I disagree with you about your, your opinion here tonight all I'm saying is it's statistically highly improbable that he does that's all I'm saying Lana just got herself ejected from the basketball court. (laughs) She got two two technical fouls, so I'm gonna let Wiggins shoot the free throw as uh, as Lana heads to the locker. Well, everybody, um, Lana and Scott will be uh, recreating and culturally appropriating that old ESPN show, His and Hers, so you can hear the debate, feminism, parents, and stuff like that. Uh, Look, I'm gonna leave you with some parting shots here. Um, Essentially, look, you know. I don't, I don't see anything that Fleabag did that would indicate that she was a poor feminist. Um, you know, with the central question around, hey, would you, uh, you know, what do you, you'll lose five years of your life for uh, the perfect body and everything, right? Now, who are we or, or anybody to decide, hey, you know what? You have, you have to have this opinion on sex, uh, sex appeal to be a good feminist. Um, feminism is about, hey, women being empowered to make the choice that they feel is correct if, they feel that that is, that the bot that uh, the perfect body makes them more comfortable. Um, look, more kudos to them, more power to them. I don't think that it devalues them as a uh, feminist. Um, I'll say this, you know, whether there's anything in the show that indicates that she's a good feminist, that you know, that there's a lot to be seen. I, you know, I could, I certainly have a niece and a goddaughter. I probably wouldn't tell them to go look up to a character um, like this or anything. That doesn't mean that they're a bad feminist. Just means that. Uh, <laughs> I think they should definitely look up to Fleabag. Yeah, I think we're going to punt. Sexual liberation is critical to being a happy, free woman. It certainly is. I think that they have a lot of other options <laughs> other to choose from as far as role that, models. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that, again, that doesn't make her a bad. That doesn't make her a bad feminist. It just means, hey. Um, you know, if she were a guy and doing some of these things, I'd probably, probably be their friend, you know, exactly. I just go, okay, you're a little bit, exactly. uh, scatterbrained and all, um, and don't have your shit together, which is fine. You know, kudos to her. The, the shop starts to get a little, you know, a lot better and all. Um, I tell them, I tell them to look up the Claire, uh, and I tell, I tell my brothers and cousin, male cousins and female cousins, all of them, look up the, please look up the Claire. That's a model to follow. Um, so I'll leave it at that uh, with the question. 
But Claire is less interesting. Fleabag runs a guinea pig cafe. That's so cute and exciting. I think Claire is conservative like, and boring. Like, that's a different... Right! Like, that's she just... Didn't these are just... Say. These are two different images of success that you guys have. And yes. one is the very stereotypical... Like, worse. yes, it is... It's safe to teach your children to become CEOs. It's safe to do that. But it's unsafe to teach your kids, like, you, to, live without consequences to be a starving, to be a starving artist, but choose the life that you believe in that makes you truly happy. To sacrifice, to sacrifice, fuck you, <laughs> no, but yeah, you could hurt. do it. Like, this is something that's a real choice. It's a real option for people. Yeah. Yo, why do I feel like, why do I feel like, I'm an artist and I have no financial support. You're not an artist. <laughs> I'm a total artist. <laughs> why do I feel like <laughs> Lana, why do I feel like Lana's speaking on herself when she's talking about a starving <laughs> artist and, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a statistician, yeah. bitch. Well, yo, I was gonna shout you out because you're an author too. You're writing a book. You're doing your thing. You know, so I'm like, trying. You know, I'm trying to give you. I'm trying to give you your flowers, you, and you're Mike. not taking yeah, them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm yeah, I, I, I I'm a, like this. I'm a bitch. No. I look at it like this. Claire is Elizabeth Warren. Fleabag is Courtney Love. All right, that just oh, that <laughs> is a harsh, harsh comparison. I don't think I don't think because Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra is better. So what you're saying? Oh, okay, oh, okay, all right. I don't know. <laughs> exact same kind of proclivities, and for some reason, Carmen Electra is rated higher. Well, I mean, think about it. One married Rodman for like a day, and another one allegedly killed her husband. So, yeah, I think. Carol Baskin? Huh? Carol Baskin? (laughs) No, you said Courtney Love. Yeah, I know. I'm just. I don't get all the hype about uh, Carmen Electra, but. All right, so we're all right. Well, we're all right. I, I understand that a rabbit trail is coming, so we're kind of um, any parting shots on anything uh, before we close this out, <laughs> folks. Well, my parting shot is more towards Lana. Uh, I'm gonna give her her flowers so she can accept them and uh, just <laughs> highlight her and what she Central does. Harassment on the show? No, 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 no. I do. Give her I her flowers, do want the bro. Flowers. It's a slang term for Shut like I'm giving you props. Chris. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Look, I'm supposed to be an advocate and ally when stuff like this happens in the workplace. I'm supposed to stand up and say no. So I was confused. So I, I want in. flowers. Okay. If yellow, that's like a friendship flower, right? Nah, but like, uh, like tell us a little bit about your, you know, your project, what you're doing. Okay, yes, I will, I will. So, right now, I'm working on a series of short stories or essays called Confrontations, and it's about my sex life. And not just my sex life, but it's also, like, make-believe, like, fun stories that are just supposed to be basically both whimsical 
and happy and like sexually liberated and gleeful i guess okay. so, so uh, have, all right like, any uh, of the characters in your like short story morality to them though what like, would you classify as the morality of uh, my story scott there's a judgment like and often people say that there's a judgment about morality that's not it um i think that there is a point to the stories that you're writing I think she's going to tell us. No, 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 no. She won't tell you. That's not, that's not my point. What I'm saying is, if you read the stories, they will make you think but that there is a point. But it's not a judgment, and it's not necessarily morality. That's what's interesting about it. It's a kind of performance art as well-ish. Sometimes the point is just entertainment, though. Right. Sometimes, the, sometimes there's more of a deeper moral point. Sometimes, mm. but sometimes it's just like these are people, and sex makes people happy, and this is how people enjoy sex. Mm. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. But I like that to put a humorous. Because you get to talk about how shitty the sex was, you know. Like, no, well, general, that's that's part of the sure. confrontation. You don't have to share the feedback that you've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> but that's what I'm working on, everybody. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram, Lana.Vishkanya. The theme of my Instagram account you have to spell is that out. totally. Yeah. My sex is. You spell that out. <laughs> Someone stayed with me for so long to have a kid. That's how bad my sex was. Oh, wait. None of you have kids. Oh. Quit stealing my thunder right now, Scott. Yeah, I, I Jesus, nobody out. cares yeah. about your child. You <laughs> sound like fucking nineties Kathy Lee Gipper just fucking. Ah, I have a kid with Frank Gipper. Anyway, my name is Lana Vishkanya. The last name is spelled V I S H. K A N Y A. And you can. You sounded very confident in spelling it. <laughs> I was semi confident with that spelling. I'm pretty sure it was right, but not completely. The positive. link will be in the description. Listen, below, hey, though, for sure. the alias is new, so she's, still, she's getting used to it. <laughs> I have another name as well. Lana is not my birth name, but it's my favorite name. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you can find me on YouTube and Instagram and uh, TikTok, maybe. I just created a TikTok account. Oh, and my Instagram, the theme is bruised nudes. So I only post nudes with roller skating injuries. That's the theme. So if that's okay. what you're into, then you'll enjoy my Instagram account. And if that's not what you're into, still give me a, a still give me a follow because I, I have only got like twelve right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully this podcast doesn't make you lose two of those twelve. <laughs> Realistic for you, you were like, dude, I could never land these tricks. 
and then you wanted to know what it looked like if you didn't land. <laughs> I would be the woman to teach you how to not land anything ever. <laughs> that would be All my right. job. Well, uh, everybody, um, this was great. Fleabag was wonderful. Lana, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having yes. me. Yeah. yeah, oh yes. And check her out. And for the benders, we are deassembling. Holla back. Do so